What is God's purpose for your life in 2016? Have you pondered that thought? Have you thought about it? Have you talked about it? Have you prayed about it? You believe that God has a purpose for your life individually this next year. What will God do with you this next year to make a difference in his kingdom work, to make a difference in his glory? I want to take a moment this morning and unlock God's purpose in your life. I want you to see that God truly has a purpose in your life. If you have your Bibles with this morning, turn with me, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. You know the verse, or you recognize it when you see it. I want to ask you to stand this morning as you find your way to Ephesians 3, verse 20. Chapter 3, verse 20 of Ephesians. Chapter 3, verse 20 says this, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Let me say that one more time. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that rests in us. Let's pray. Father, may you bless the reading of your holy word this morning. Father, I pray right now that this thought, this promise from you, Father, this scripture, Father, would be etched into each one of our minds this morning, Father, that you are able, that you desire to do above what we ever think or even comes across our mind. Father, we thank you now, Father, for the power of the Holy Spirit, Father, that makes all this possible. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want you to know this morning that you have an untapped ability. You have an untapped giftedness. You have an untapped potential that is just waiting there to collide and to run into God's power. I want you to realize that God wants to do something extraordinary in your life. You know why? Because that's the kind of God He is. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die upon that cross that we might know life. But more than that, that we might live, listen very carefully, in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? It means I have access to the greatest power in the world, God's power. I have access. I have the ability right now to access God's power in my life and to see God do great things. Listen very carefully. God wants to do extraordinary things in your life. He really does. He wants to do supernatural things in your life. He wants to do things way beyond what you can even begin to ponder. Remember old 1 Corinthians 2.9? My eyes haven't seen, my ears haven't heard, nor mind conceived the plans that God has for those that love Him. God desires to do something spectacular in your life. Yet too many times we miss it. Too many times people are missing, running around trying to figure out what their purpose is. Listen very carefully. Until we put God in the middle of that search, we're going to spend our whole life looking for that purpose and we'll never find it. Aside from God, you will never find your purpose. How is that? Because God gave you a purpose. Unless we look to Him first for that purpose, we're not going to find it. God has an incredible purpose for your life and my life. I want you to think about one little thought here. Your purpose is wrapped up in your potential. Did you hear that? Your God-given purpose is wrapped up in your potential. God has double vision. He sees you the way you are today, but He also sees the way that you can be, what He wants you to be. Think about old Saul. Remember him, the Pharisee? Probably... Arguably the greatest Pharisee of all time. The guy was brilliant, schooled in the best schools. I mean, he was zealous for his job. He loved it. He had all kinds of potential to be a phenomenal Pharisee. He was on his way to Damascus from Jerusalem to go kill Christians, to arrest them and kill them. Man, he was all over that job. He was totally immersed in his job. You know, on that road to Damascus, Jesus Christ came down and knocked Paul to his knees, put him on his rear end. 
Paul looked up and realized he was talking to somebody that he had no conception of at that moment. And Jesus Christ said, why do you persecute me? Paul said, I've never seen you before. I'm not persecuting you. He says, when you persecute my believers, you're persecuting me. Paul came to know Jesus Christ in that Damascus road. It changed his life forever. But Paul's potential, Paul's potential was great. He was a zealous kind of guy. Whatever he went after, he went after, he went after with all he had. Man, he chased it with every bit of his energy. And he was chasing the wrong things. But listen very carefully. He came to know Jesus Christ, and immediately he began chasing the right things. He had phenomenal potential to do good for good or to do good for bad. He chose to do good for God. We all have that potential. We all have incredible gifts. Many of us kind of feel like, you know, I don't really have a whole lot to offer God. Many of us feel like I'm I'm not going to be that much value to God. You know what? You have no idea how much value you could be to God. Listen very carefully. You're going to reach people that I'll never meet. You see people in your workplace. You see people in your neighborhood. I'll never meet them. I'm going to meet people you'll never meet. God has a very specific purpose for you. He has very specific people in your life that you need to touch for his glory. I had the opportunity for a number of years to be a Marine officer, and then I had an opportunity for a lot of years to be in the restaurant business. Ran a number of large companies. You know, I felt like I had purpose. I had no clue. I had Jesus in my heart, but I had no clue what my purpose was. I really didn't. I felt like my purpose with my job couldn't be further from the truth. My purpose is to work for God and to serve Him first. And I didn't do that for a lot of years. I had those occupations. It wasn't until God allowed me to hit my knees. I got knocked on my knees in that corporation. And at that moment, I began looking up for the very first time in sincerity and wanting to know, God, what is my purpose now? I felt like my purpose was gone because my restaurant company failed. Really? God had so many bigger and better things for me. And I felt bad that it took me and knocked on my knees and having a little pity party for about 30 days that it took me to kind of get my senses and my focus back on God. I pray that it doesn't take God knocking any of us in this room to our knees again to get our focus. It begs the question today, what is my purpose, God? What is my purpose? I want you to know with absolute certainty that God created you for a purpose. You're uniquely created. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. God made you in his own image, and he has a very specific personal mission for you. God wants to use you in an incredible way in this world. Your purpose was preceded you in this earth. Before you were born, God had a purpose for you. The first chapter of Jeremiah, verse 5, God talks to Jeremiah. He's encouraging him to be a prophet, a prophet of a very hard time in Israel. He says this, God speaking to Jeremiah, he said, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. God's telling Jeremiah, before you were born, I set you apart for this. I set you aside with a very specific purpose. Your purpose, Jeremiah, is to be a prophet to the nations. Listen very carefully. God, before you were formed in your womb, set you aside. He sanctified you. He had a very special calling in your life before you were born. God has that purpose for us. You know, it's high time that we all try to figure that out and realize what God has for us. It's time for your potential to collide with God's power. That's what makes our purpose come to life. The fact that we realize God's a creator, the fact that we realize I'm fearfully and wonderfully made by God, I'm made in his image, 
And God, I want your power now. Show me the purpose you have for me. Why? Because God's purpose in your life is going to be more than you can do on your own power. You need God's power to accomplish that purpose. Am I living in the middle of God's power? Am I centered on God's power in my life? Am I centered in such a way as I realize that God is flowing through me? I don't want to see in this world what I can do. I want to see what God might do through me. I want to see what God might do through you. Listen very carefully. I've never seen a church like this. I know a lot of pastors. know a lot of churches. A lot of other pastors say, man, I don't know what's going on at church, but I want some of it. What's happening in this church is you're letting God flow through you. You're letting God get the glory in your life. You're letting God use you in a great way beyond your abilities. And then you're going out in this world and letting God flow through you, touching people for his glory, showing people the hope in this world, showing people the peace that you have, the joy that you have, living in such a way that people want to see you. Your journey began before you're born. So don't question for a moment that God has sanctified this time for you. God has set you apart. Ephesians 3.20. Think about that for just a moment. We just read it. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I ask or think according to the power that works in me. God's able to do things beyond what we're even thinking about. God will use you beyond ways that you ever even imagined. Because the power in you is working. You're letting the power of the Holy Spirit have freedom. You know, for too long, we've all settled for too little. We really have. You think about the state of America. We've settled for far too little. As a nation, we've turned our back on God. Not just those that are out there are sinners and those that are out there that are backslidden, but also, unfortunately, the Christian church. We've turned our back on God. American culture is spinning out of control. Think about just these two thoughts for a moment. This breaks my heart. 36% of 18 to 29-year-olds believe that marriage is not important. 36% of people aged 18 to 29 do not believe that marriage is important. They go live together. They look at the temporary relationship. Why do we need to get married? Well, do I want God to mill my marriage or not? Another statistic for you, and this breaks my heart as well. It says 79% of men and 76% of women view pornography at least once a month. Are you kidding me? How sad that we've turned our back on God. It's time to release the power of God into our nation. We've settled far too long for too little. If your life today feels like you don't know your purpose, if you feel today like I don't feel like I have power, God's power in my if I feel maybe a little hopeless, I ask the question constantly, what's it all about? What does life really mean? Is there really a meaning to life? You know what? You're living in the old normal. It's time for the new normal. The new normal, allowing God to have his way with you. Putting God back on the throne of your life. Putting God back as the leader of your life. Let him be Lord and master of your life. Let God have his way. It's time for that new normal. It's time for you and I to stop eating eating the scraps on the ground and sit down at God's banquet table and realize the riches of Christ. Last night, Amy and I had the privilege of going to uh, the student ministry leaders dinner. Scott and Jessica Pond are doing a phenomenal job in that student ministry back there. But they've also surrounded themselves with incredible leaders. Some of the cream of the crop of our church right now is serving back there in that student ministry. Haven't served all over the church, but God has truly anointed the workers in that department. Scott, last night as we began the little time together, we had dinner and then began a little time of games and also a little devotion. He asked people to share... List one great blessing from 2015 in your life. List one of the great blessings in your life in 2015. Ponder that thought yourself. What would you answer? 
Somebody asked you today, hey, tell me a great blessing in your life from 2015. I heard some profound, tear-moving, emotion-moving comments from some of the leaders. I didn't share mine. They had a lot of leaders, and not everybody shared. But uh, as I was thinking about mine, it's God. It's the richness of the life I have now. For a lot of years, I mentioned a minute ago, when I was running restaurants and in the Marine Corps, my life was a mile wide but an inch deep. I had no depth in my life. I really didn't. I was busy as all get out, probably too busy. But I was missing the most important things in life. The book of Ephesians tells us about the riches of Christ. The first three chapters talk about the riches of Christ. All the things we have because Jesus Christ died upon that cross. Am I living in those riches? I can attest to you there was a lot of years I didn't. But I can attest to you right now I'm doing a better job living in those riches. Seeing God move in a great way. 2015 was a beautiful year in my life. It was a hard year, but it was also a blessed year. I think most of you know I lost my father in February. That was sad, but you know what? Because I'm where I'm at with Christ today, I just rejoice for all the years I have with my dad. I realized how precious life was because my dad was the dad he was. Gets me choked up right now. But I also want you to hear this. That very same year, 2015, God blessed me with my first grandchild. God takes away and God gives. But do we fully appropriate and appreciate that thought? It's tough. It's hard to say goodbye. It is. I mean, I, I struggle. It still struggle. It still gets me a little choked up. But I get just as choked up about joy for a beautiful little grandson. The riches of God. And I, I want to be honest with you. There was a number of years in my life I missed that stuff. I really did. I don't believe I really appreciated the, the birth of my children. I was excited, but I don't think there was a whole lot of depth there because I was in the midst of the restaurant business. The richness of relationships, the richness of the people that God's put in my path, the richness of having you in my life. I love this church by. I really do. I'm touched. Your encouraging words, just but just to see you here, you you sharing your God stories with me. That 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 brings wealth to my life. My life, I don't imagine there's too many people that have a richer life than I have. And I'm not bragging about it. I'm just saying, God, is filling me up. And I love that. I love the fact that God wants to fill you and I up. But it's allowing that power to come inside of us. It's a, it's a matter of understanding our decision. Realizing that this world, this my life is not about me. It's about God. I have the next breath I'm going to breathe here in a second because of God. I have a heartbeat because of God. I have life because of God. And I want to give back. And I want to understand my purpose. Listen very carefully, not to flip the negative side too far, but the reason we have all the problems in America today, you know what it is? Too many Christians have not figured out their purpose. My purpose is to stand up and make a difference in this world. My purpose in life is to be a transforming agent, a transforming conduit for God to flow through me, that other people get transformed, that people see the resurrection power of Jesus Christ in my life, and they say, I want that too. I want that too. I want that too. I want it today. God has set you and I apart to do great and mighty things. It's time to, uh, to release the power of God. What are you doing with what you got for the glory of God? I mentioned a minute ago, a lot of times feel like, you know, my life's kind of no count. I'm just one person and no count. But I want you to hear this. You were created for a purpose. And you were also created on purpose. God doesn't make mistakes. You are formed, fashioned, knit together by God's almighty hands. You weren't the result of some cosmic explosion. 
You're not an accident. You're not a mistake. You're not just a big glob of DNA. You were created for a very divine purpose. God created you special for a special purpose. They're connected. Before you're born, he set you apart for that purpose. But he didn't make a mistake making you. I don't care who you are. I don't care how badly you feel like I'm damaged goods. I'm just damaged goods. You know, I've been through this life. I've been beaten up and tattered and bruised and thrown down and tossed about. You know what? God knows that. You know what God wants to do? God wants to take your whole life, your entire life, and make a difference. You may find this surprising, but I've had church members sometimes say something mean about the pastor. I know that's surprising, isn't it? Me? But I want to tell them, hey, if you knew all about me, you'd have a lot more to talk about because I've made some mistakes. I've missed the mark many times. Part of my life, I put God in the back seat and didn't look back for a number of years. But you know what? God never gave up on me. And God kept saying, hey, in the midst of your despair, in the midst of your hard times, I want you to know that I have a purpose for you. You haven't even begun to imagine how I want to use you, Gary. And I hadn't. But I want you to realize the same story is for you. Doesn't matter where you're at. Doesn't matter how you feel like I'm just damaged goods. Doesn't matter how you feel about, the, you know, God could never use something like little old me. You think about all the characters in the Bible. Isn't it amazing? If you think about all the heroes of the Bible, you don't see any of the Bible that were great, perfect guys out there or women out there. <laughs> Every person that God used, I think without exception, except for Jesus Christ, was damaged goods, but by the grace of God. You know, we're all damaged goods, but by the grace of God. But God came down and saved you. Why did he do that? I love what Paul said. Then I may lay, lay hold of that for which Christ laid hold of me. That God wants to do something special in your life. Remember Caleb and Joshua? They were crossing the desert there, the wilderness, to come to the promised land. Moses decided he's going to send 12 spies into the promised land. Go check out the land for us so we kind of got a good idea about what we're going to encounter when we go over there. We know it's going to be a war. They sent these 12 spies, recon soldiers, if you will, over to the land of Canaan. They were over there for 40 days and came back, and, man, they had nothing but good things to say about the land as far as milk and honey. Man, you should see that. They carried back fruit, grapes. You should see the fruit there. But then 10 of them said, you know, but, you know, we, we can never accomplish what we need to accomplish there because there's two bigger fortified positions over there. Jericho, you should see Jericho. Man, it's huge walls and 12 feet thick and all these things. And you should see the giants, too. There's ten guys that said we shouldn't go, but there's two guys that said we need to go. We need to trust God. The ten guys are saying, hey, we're like grasshoppers to those giants over there. We'll just be stumped. But Joshua and Caleb said, no, we need to go. We need to go. Well, you know what? How sad for Joshua and Caleb. They were ready to go. They were being obedient to God. But God said, hey, the nation of Israel is going to wander in this wilderness for 40 years until everybody over the age of 20 dies. So Joshua and Caleb, even Moses failed. Moses should have led them in the right direction, but he failed. God let Moses see the land of Canaan, but he never got to go into it. Everybody over the age of 20 died before they moved out, except for Caleb and Joshua. You know, they could have come, become very bitter for this horrible life. Forty years, we got to say, really? I'm wasting time. I want to go in the promised land. But they sat there. They didn't get bitter. They got better. They kept growing in the Lord. Finally, they crossed the River Jordan. They accomplished all the things they needed to accomplish and captured those cities by God's grace. It came time for Joshua to divvy out the land to all the 12 different tribes. Then it came to Caleb's turn. 
what Joshua and God had intended for Caleb. And this is what he says. If you look at, don't look right now, but I'll read it to you. It's in Joshua 14. This is Caleb speaking. Caleb says, Here I am this day, 85 years old. As yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. And then he says this, Now therefore give me this mountain. He requested a specific mountain. It is the hardest objective in the can to take, but he wanted the biggest objective to take. Now therefore give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. Caleb wanted the mountain. I love Caleb's spirit. We need to have Caleb's spirit too. God, give me that mountain. God, give me that mountain. I believe you for all that you are, God. I believe what you've done in my life to this point, and I want to understand my purpose in life, and God, I want that mountain. I want that mountain in my life, God. Give it to me because with you, nothing is impossible. You and I are fearfully and wonderfully made. I've said that several times today, but I want that to resonate with you. God doesn't make mistakes. God make you, made you fearfully, and he made you wonderfully. Listen to this out of Ephesians 2, verse 10. I love this. For we are his masterpiece. We're talking about people. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. For we are his masterpiece. You know what God thinks about you? You're a masterpiece. He created you. God doesn't make mistakes. God made you very special. He created you. You are special. Unfortunately, we in the American church today sell ourselves short. I'm convinced and inspired that God is extending an unparalleled invitation for his church people to understand their purpose and step out in that purpose. What does it look like when God glorifies the church? He's glorified in the church. What does it look like? People get saved. Lives are transformed. People that have no hope find hope. The blind see, the lame will walk, but also the dead will rise and live. God desires to do a marvelous work in his church. God wants to do that with us. God wants to do what only he can do. As I think about our future here, I'm praying that people that don't go to our church <coughs> look at Beaverdam Baptist and say, there's something going on over there. There's something going on at Beaverdam Baptist. I don't know what it is, but I want it. I'm not sure what's happening over there, but I want it. I'm praying people look at God's church, you, the body of Christ, and say, hey, there's something going on in that person's life. There's something going on in that body of believers over there. I don't know what it is, but I want it personally. I want to have that kind of victory in my life. I want to have that kind of confidence in my life that nothing is impossible with God, that I have a purpose, and I'm going to see that purpose through. God has called you and I, I believe with all my heart, to change this world. I believe with all my heart that God wants to send a revival to this body of believers right here, a revival that will change our nation. Do you know what your purpose is for 2016?